0: What's the word, y'all? Today we are joined by a man that needs no introduction. Three-time NBA champion, one of the last OGs left. Adonis Haslam. Welcome to the show. Boys, so focus, you notice know, my eyes day from a logo like Dame Bay. Tell him I gotta go and get the money, Good cause the money won't pay me. If anybody really think no know ballin', well, please tell him come to Bay me. Or you can go to YouTube and search called Game Watching an HD, Yo. And that's game. Now we want to welcome on the one and only Adonis Haslam. UD. What's up, man? Welcome to the show. Kenny, what's going
1: on, my brother? I appreciate you having me, man. I like the way you said "one and only" too when you introduced me. I like hey, that. Hey, you
0: know, you know, man. I've been a big fan for a long time. There's a, there's an old tweet out there. Hopefully, they can find it for production. I was like, one of my number one people I want to talk to in the NBA world is Yadonis Haslam, and here we are. We did it.
1: Man, well, I appreciate that, homie. I do, man. I appreciate that. I, you know, for me, you know, I really live like life just with my head down and staying on my grind, man. But to get love out here in the streets, man, it's always appreciated, homie. So thank you
0: yeah no problem so what we do around here to open up every show i tell the guests my favorite moment from their nba career and it's like bittersweet right the moment that i have is 2011 eastern conference finals game two i'm I'm a diehard bulls fan i gotta tat it like it's, it's it's forever right and in game two you had a play and you were like just coming back from injury if i'm not mistaken you blocked derrick rose and then you went down for like a poster dunk and not only was that just a big time moment it like shifted the whole momentum for the rest of the series so that was my favorite moment for you but like as a shorty 10 years ago i'm like man i ain't really i ain't really like it like that
1: i mean to be honest with you to this day they still don't like me in chicago for that
0: you know what i'm saying <laughs>
1: so you that, that's nothing new you know what i mean but i remember that play i had just came off injury man and at that time i mean chicago was big in the paint you know we were talking about uh boozer and and you know my boy joe kim um, you know, Taj Gibson coming off the bench and it was kind of pretty much bullying us down there So mm-hmm. I pretty much had to get back in that series even though I was slightly injured, you know Just to give us a little more muscle down there in the painting and I was running out pure adrenaline that night Boy, I was feeling I felt it the next day though I <laughs> Hey, it i, I have be trying day. to tell
0: people if it wasn't for running into y'all in 2011 the Bulls had a real chance. That was, that was the year, because next year Derrick Rose got injured, but that was the year for us Bulls fans. And I keep reminding people, like, hey, we had, like, a two-year run where the Bulls were actually really nice.
1: No, they had a squad. They had a squad, and, and, and we, were, we, we, were, we were threatened. Like, you know what I'm saying? There was no doubt about it. They had a squad, and we were threatened. I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, if it, it might have been the next year or the year that same year. They were the team that broke our streak. You know, we yes, went sir. on that long winning streak. Um, you know, we I forget how many games it was. 20, I think it was twenty-seven. While, twenty-seven. Yeah, after a while it just got it just got annoying. You know what I'm saying? It was all about the streak. But the Bulls was the team to break our streak.
0: Y'all heard it here, man. U D said it himself. So I ain't gotta be the only one defending that era of the Bulls, because it was real. You heard it straight no, from UD.
1: It was real. They was loaded. <laughs> they was a problem for sure.
0: So, I, I want to even go back way before that. Um, your official first year in the NBA. Of course, you go undrafted, you spend a year overseas, but that first year in the league, technically, you're a rookie with Dwayne Wade. So, what was your impression like with Wade when you first uh, linked up? Oh, man, my
1: brother, he was quiet, man, my, and, um, you know, uh, a little bit wet behind the ears. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't think, you know, had, had not. Well, I, I, you be honest with you, anybody that come to Miami wet behind the ears, there ain't too many places like the MIA. Ain't too many right. places like the Yayo, so You know what I'm saying? It was a big city, so it was kind of like a deer in headlights type mentality. And for me, you know what I'm saying, I was from here, so we worked out every day. We spent so much time together. I mean, our days literally was waking up in the morning, going to the track, running at the track, to the gym, lifting weights, on the court, working out on the court, go play pickup, eat lunch, go back to the gym at night. And we literally worked that schedule, you know what I'm saying, for two months, three months, or however long it was till the season started. Um, and then we also relate on some personal levels. You know, uh, both of our moms came through some struggles. You know, his mom spent some time in jail. You know, my mom spent some time re- recovering from drug addiction and homelessness mm. and different things like that. So, you know, we related and we bonded on a lot of different levels just beyond the game of basketball, and that's why we consider ourselves brothers.
0: He doing it great now, man. You said he was, he was kind of wide-eyed and, and kind of shy. He on TV just, just doing his thing now.
1: Nah, he wide open with it. He wide open yeah. with it, man. He wide open with it. But that's one thing I always respected about him, and I tell him that, man. He's helped me. I think people, as uh, they're saying, that you're, always, you're only as good as the five most people the five people you hang around the most. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So he's definitely helped me get out of my comfort zone and touch other different areas of my life, business-wise and personally. You know what I'm saying? So for him to be able to do things like that, I watch that, and I take those things, those nuggets,
0: and I apply them. I like to go through the history of NBA players. So when you you end up in Miami, the year before that, I'ma keep it a buck, man. The Miami Heat were they, were, they were trash. And then immediately y'all come in, y'all turn into a playoff team. So, I mean, I guess you weren't there for the previous season, but what was that ignition for y'all, for the team to go from, I think it was like 25 wins to instantly be in the playoff team?
1: I mean, I was a fan, you know, I was a fan of basketball, but it's hard to, it was, once again, you from Chicago, you a Chicago fan, it's hard to ignore that black cat. It's yeah. hard to ignore MJ, Rob, man, Pip. So even though being from Miami, like the light, all the the light shined on on the Bulls. You know what I'm saying. Right. So um, it was hard to be like a hundred percent Miami Heat fan. You know what I'm saying. If you're a real fan of the game of basketball, you are tuning in anytime the Bulls lining up to play. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying. You watching that. You know what I'm saying. So you know I I, I like the Miami Heat, but I, I wasn't real familiar with a lot of the history. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know that Tim James, who was the original first player from Miami to play for the Miami Heat, wore number 40. So, you know, even right. though I consider myself Mr. Miami, there's a guy that came before me from Miami, from my hood, Liberty City, that wore number 40, played for University of Miami, and he wore number 40 for the Miami Heat. So I represent him as well as my father. So, you know, the history, you know, of the Miami Heat, it's a lot of different things, just me being tied to Miami, more so than just the history of the Miami Heat, because it was hard to be a fan of the Heat. They came late, they started late, and different things like that.
0: Who was your vet that uh, that first year in Miami?
1: Brian Grant. Brian, Brian Grant was my vet, man. Mm. BG was a great vet, man. Hard worker, you know, a guy similar to myself, undersized, power forward. You know what I'm saying? Had to get it off the muscle. You know what I'm saying? Every day he had to come and work with his hard hat on and get it done. Also, right. Eddie Jones, man. Shout out to Eddie Jones, man, a South Florida legend. You know what I'm saying? Who was another guy who's from South Florida, not technically Miami, but he's from South Florida, so. You know, he teaching me how to move, like kind of close to where you grew up from. You know how you move out here. Right. You know it's different when you playing ball in the city where you came up.
0: People forget that Eddie was what like a two, three time uh, NBA All Star man. Like he was really about yeah, it. He was a real deal, and I,
1: and I think he was also one of the deep, top defensive player. Like um, you know, once uh, first team defense, second team defense. He was definitely one of the guys that you consider a lockdown guy. And he got traded right. for Kobe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> God bless the dead. You know the great, the great Kobe. You know what I'm saying? Eddie got traded for Kobe. You know what I'm saying? So. He was definitely
0: a hell of a ball player. So he got traded for Kobe, but y'all did a little thing right after your rookie season when y'all made a trade for Shaq. You know, Big Diesel coming to Miami, and that's when things started to get real, right? I mean, y'all were a playoff team, and now you added one of the most dominant players in the history of basketball. So what was your initial reaction after that trade?
1: I mean, that's when his championship expectations off the rip. You know what mm. I'm saying. When Shaq came in, there was championship expectations. And for me, you know what I'm saying. I think everybody was excited about it, but for me, it was more criticism that came with Shaq coming to Miami. Can Haslam play next to Shaq? You know, can he hold his own next to the big fella? It was even weird little article saying Shaq has never played with a power forward under 6'10. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what the hell? What what the hell that got to do with it? Like, if, <laughs> if I could get it done, I could get it done. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it was a lot of criticism because I really didn't have a name at that time. And people was wondering, can I get it done next to the big fella? So, you know, he helped me step my game up. You know what I'm saying? I had to step my game up. You know, you coming in here with a champion, there's championship expectations.
0: So you just mentioned something, kind of like the media. You said there was articles being written. Uh, I've always wondered when it comes to NBA players, how much y'all pay attention to this stuff, you know, because I'm kind of in that world. I mean, I'm not writing articles, but social media is so big that everybody has a platform. Everybody has an opinion about what y'all are doing on court. So how much are you really paying attention to that stuff?
1: I mean, I don't pay attention to a lot of it, but some of it I can use as motivation. You know what I'm saying? Some of it I do use as motivation and I I got a memory like an elephant. I don't forget Mm -hmm. nothing. You know what I'm saying? So. You know what I'm saying? If I if if I, if you motivated me ten years ago, chances are I'm probably still motivated by your ass today. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it's just it's just how I am. You know what I'm saying? It's in my DNA. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely know how to pick and choose my moments of what to listen to or what not to listen to and what to use as motivation.
0: I want to go back to post sack or or the sack era. Of Miami um, because y'all fall short that first year right I think it was against Detroit yeah, yeah. where where y'all go yeah. game seven Eastern Conference and I don't mm-hmm. remember so I'm gonna ask you there was a game in that series that Wade didn't play right
1: yeah yeah
0: what, what was hurt. going on with Wade? Uh, he, heard his,
1: he, heard his rib. he heard his ribs he heard his All ribs right. I think he had he had a uh, he had a cracked rib or you know something like that and he definitely didn't play um and, and that, that definitely shifted the series for us. You know, yeah. that was that was a, that was already a difficult series. You talk about I man, Detroit were loaded in, too. They had their run. You know, they had Rip, had Chauncey, they mm-hmm. had Sheed, they had Ben, you know what I mean, they had McDice. I mean they had they had I think they had quarters with they had their run now. They was loaded, yeah. you know what I'm saying, for a while. So I mean we needed all hands on deck, you know what I mean? So when D Wade went out, I think if he I think he was averaging about thirty that series. I think he right. went out maybe game four. And um, you know, I think we might have lost it in six. We lost the last two
0: without him. I think. Well, so so y'all lose there, but next year y'all get even deeper. Y'all made a couple of trades, man. It's like wh- this this team about that Big stuff. Big moves. I, what was it? Antoine came over. um GP, Walker
1: came over. Posey came over. We picked up Posey, GP. Um, man. Uh, Jason Williams. You know, White Jason Chocolate came Williams.
0: in the building. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, we definitely switched it up a little bit. And then you get to the finals and then wade is like like superman averaging like 35 like they had no answer for him at all
1: unstoppable i mean we were i think it was not too long ago it was around the pandemic time where they were showing a lot of old games and a lot of old footage and you know i had the opportunity to sit back and watch that game from a different perspective because for me i don't even watch old games you know one thing mm-hmm. about me is i do not watch old games um i barely watch the new games i ain't really too much <laughs> watching the games that's played right now i get the critiquing coaching, breaking it down and then it become work. it's not even enjoyable no more. So I barely even watch the games, but you know, I was just watching that game and I just
0: texted you away and I was like, Boy, you was on you was on you was on one. You was on one that night. You was on one for sure. So you get the first one for Miami, of course with you being there. What what did it mean for you in the city to get that first ring?
1: I mean, it was the first time in my career personally that I was able to just exhale and I felt like I had that monkey off my back for a second. Cause you know I was a guy that was always behind the eight ball. You know, people didn't give much of an opportunity. You know, what much expected from me. And then remember going into that finals, I mean, Dirk was Dirk had a, a trail of bodies yeah. Yeah. all the way to the finals. Like he was on a run, like it was crazy. You know what I'm saying? So people didn't give me much of a chance to even compete. You know, mm-hmm. in that series against Dirk. So you know the way I was able to play and, and defend and and do the things that I was able to do in that series, it really catapulted my career, you know, to the stage that I'm at now.
0: So there are a few things that we really love over here called Game The Show. Um, we, Of course, we love hoops. That's why we have you here. But in, in that, in the culture of basketball, we got, like, sports cards and sneakers. Are you into, like, to sports cards?
1: Yeah, I got some sports cards. What you mean? I'm a Dolphin fan.
0: Oh, uh, you okay? I feel you. I feel So what would you say is your... You're like prized possession when it comes to the sports cards. What you got?
1: My father-in-law gave me a, a Dan Marino uh, rookie
0: card. Mm. I, um, I knew you was about to say that. I swear I knew you were about to say my that. Fa-
1: my father-in-law gave me a Dan Marino rookie card. I just ordered the little, uh, the little plastic uh, package
0: not too long ago, and I got it cemented and I got it locked in. That ain't going nowhere. Mm. I, I got a two packs of, of NBA cards because that's what we're about. I'm going to open these, read you the names, and let's just talk about some of these players if that's cool with you. For sure. All right, back. So these are the ones we open in our 2019, 2020. So you never know. We might, we might get some of your current teammates, former teammates. There's a <laughs> lot of stuff that can happen. Here so the we first go. player, Here we, go. we got Jaron Jackson Jr. of the Memphis Grizzlies. Young, young, young guy. A CAA client.
1: Shout out to the CAA family. <laughs>
0: hey, shout out to the family. Uh, Josh Akogi. Then we got Karl Malone, one of, the, one of the greatest ever do it at the Power 4 position, man.
1: Oh, okay. So you want me to start from the, from the top?
0: <laughs> last one we got in this pack is, is Denzel Valentine. So kind of what we want to do is potentially, like, build a starting five because I got two packs here. Okay, Um So okay, that's that's okay. the first four. You know you know we dealing with Karl Malone at that four position, though. Ain't nobody taking Man, that spot. Man, I can't
1: – yeah, that's already locked in. You didn't <laughs> – yeah, that's it. The mailman, right,
0: he definitely The last four is Reggie Jackson. Then we got Emmanuel Moutier, uh Bruno Fernando – and Kevin Knox. These two packs gave us a lot of young, young uh, players in the NBA, for real. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got Carmelo. That's like instantly, we're a playoff team. we Carmelo. So. Yeah. I mean, we could probably run him and Jaren together. They both. Oh, yeah, we're on. definitely
1: doing that. That's for, that's, that was already in my, in, my, in my game plan.
0: At the, that's at the in one my game plan. W- w-
1: what are guards looking like again?
0: We got Reggie Jackson and uh, Emmanuel Mudiay. <sighs> I'm going to go Reggie. Got to start Reggie. I think we got to start Reggie. I'm a, now we got to figure go out reggie those. With that one. Let's figure out these wings, man. So we got Denzel Valentine for my Bulls. We got Kevin Knox, and then we got Josh Okogie, man. That's that's a lot of young players right there. We might. I'm
1: gonna go. I'm gonna go with Okogie. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go a little. I'm okay. gonna go a little toughness, a little defense.
0: Okay. So we, we got the defense, man, uh, and then the, the, the last one. I'm gonna go a little toughness, a little defense,
1: but can make a shot though. He ain't scared. He make a shot.
0: Let's, let's, throw, let's throw Kevin Knox at the three, and then that's our starting five right there. We got Reggie Jackson. I was Joshua. trying not to
1: pick no Knicks players, but if you're going to make me pick a <laughs> Knicks player, then I guess, I, I guess,
0: I guess. <laughs> hey, what's up? hey, what's up? You know, I just picked him because he can shoot, but Denzel Valentine got a torch too.
1: I, I'm trying not to pick no Knicks players, <laughs> but I guess.
0: <laughs> right, you know what? we going to switch out for Denzel since he's a part of my favorite team. You feel me? So we got Reggie. We got Josh Kogi, We got Denzel. Jaron Jackson Jr., Carmelo. Malone. It, it, it could be better, I'm keeping a buck, it could be better.
1: It could, it be better. could. I mean, I, I'm with you on that Knox thing. We could, we could go with Knox, you know, I, All I, right I'm best. just kidding. We're gonna go with Knox.
0: You know where you can find the rarest cards and latest box drops? eBay, a one-stop shop for buyers and sellers. Check the episode description below for more on what eBay is rolling out. Alright, let's get back to the next part of our of our interview here because you guys transitioned from the era of Wade Shaq and then there's there's a little period where y'all still competitive doing y'all thing, but then we get to the to the Heatle era, man. So where were you when you found out that uh the Heatles was about to be a thing?
1: I mean, I was almost not even a part of the Heatles. You know, there's mm. a lot of players and it's a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? So the money wasn't adding up, you know what I mean? So I was almost not a part of the Heatles situation, you know. Um, it was my brother, D-Wade, that I understood, you know, the importance of having me a part of something like that, and um, that I would deliver, and that those guys could depend on me to get the job done. So, you know, for me, I was actually headed down to the arena to have a conversation with Raleigh and basically just let him know that, you know, I thank you guys for the opportunity when nobody believed, but, you mm. know, the, the, it was it was a one-year minimum contract, and then the next year it was going to be some something different, but, you know, at that time, I was in the prime of my career. It just wasn't a smart decision. Um Right. As I'm pulling into the arena, I just get a call from my agent, you know, the great, late, great Henry Thomas, um, who who uh, just said, you know, before you go in the office to talk to Riles, just give me a second. So I just sat in the car for a little while and I got a call like 20 minutes later, you know, and they called me and they said, OK, we got a deal for you. You know, it's not as much as, you know, the other deals on the table, but, you know, it's something, man. For me, it was a huge sacrifice. It was $20 million less than the other deals I had. I had $40 million deals at that time. I took a $20 million deal with the Heat. You know, and, 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 you know, that, ca- that kind of is the reason why, you know, you look at the situation I'm in now, you know what I'm saying, and the loyalty um, that I have with the Heat was c- because I sacrificed the way I have.
0: What, where did that loyalty come from? Because, I mean, I, I, you weren't here for it, but when I introduced the show, I said you was one of the last OGs, man. So, so where did that loyalty, I mean, I guess it's not just to the Heat, but to the city of Miami in general.
1: Yeah, that's where it come from, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the way I was raised, how I grew up, you know, my family, um, you know, we always looked out for each other. We always took care of each other. You know, we was always that family where we didn't have much, but whatever we had, we shared it, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? The culture that I have, you know, with the Miami Heat, it's just the culture that I had in high school. You know, I played for the great Frank Martin, you know what I mean, Um, who's the head coach at South Carolina. You know, shout out to late, great Shaky Rodriguez, who's a Miami legend, you know what I'm saying, in Miami High. You know, from about 89 to 98, you know what I mean? Yeah. We ran off nine straight state championships, you know. So legacy, <laughs> culture, I've been a Man. part of that, you know what I mean, starting back in high school.
0: What Was the was there pressure from you guys as a team? Because LeBron, Bosch comes over, y'all do the big press conference, not one, not two, not three, and then now everybody looking at y'all with a target on y'all back. Did y'all feel that pressure in the locker room?
1: Mm-hmm. With no pressure on us. We was the little 12. The pressure was on them. They was the big three. <laughs> <laughs> we had the big three. We had 15 players. They was the big three. We was the little 12. They had oh. all the pressure. We just had to do our jobs.
0: Yeah. So I, we talked about the, the Eastern Conference Finals with the Bulls. But in that same year, y'all get to the finals in that first year, and y'all come up short. And, and a lot mm-hmm. of people kind of use it. Um, when they have in the GOAT debate, you know, everybody want to talk about the GOAT debate. They use that 2011 series against Dallas as like the big, big asterisk on LeBron. So so after y'all lose that series, what is the locker room like? Because I think y'all went into it as the favorite and y'all come up short.
1: I mean, it's heartbroken. It's sad. Mm.
0: You know, you
1: come that far. That much work in, and you get that close and you don't get it done. It was a difficult time for all of us. It was a difficult summer for all of us. And I think all of us kind of checked out and went in the lab, you know, a little bit, especially LeBron. You know, he came back the next year um, on a mission, you know, a completely yeah. different ball player. And I think we all did. You know, we all, you know, uh, took that pretty hard and understood that this next season we had to win it. Uh, there was no if, ands,
0: and buts about it. Right. I feel like uh, I, as the NBA fans and NBA people in general learned a lot from that 2011 Heat team, Um, because people automatically thought, "Man, y'all got three of the best players of all time, and it's great core of like you said, you said the other 12." Um, But it ain't just about the names. Little little 12. Little 12. Little 12. Uh, 12. It ain't just about the names. (laughs) It ain't just about the names. You know what I'm saying? It's about chemistry and things like that. So after that, we saw a couple different super teams kind of form together and fall short because it is just more than just having the biggest names on your team.
1: Oh yeah, you definitely need chemistry, you need culture, you need true, true sacrifice. I mean, sacrifice and accountability is a foreign language nowadays, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So. You know, everybody wants to have somebody sacrifice to be accountable until it's their turn. You know what I'm saying? Then it's like, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. So, you know, you need true, true sacrifice. I mean, you got a guy like Ray Allen who's, you know, one of the greatest shooters to ever play this game is going to be a Hall of Famer that's, you know, coming off the bench and only playing maybe 20 minutes. You know, some nights right. not even playing that much. You know what I'm saying? Only getting a certain amount of shots. You know, you had a guy like myself who's a leading rebounding organization, you know, you know and, you know, it was nice that, you know, I didn't get any minutes. You know what I'm saying? So... It was hard and it was tough and it was true sacrifice, but at the end, the ultimate goal was to get those rings and, and we got that done.
0: So, y'all, yeah, y'all get that next year, y'all come back. You said y'all was in the lab and it showed because y'all got that championship. And y'all went against, like, I think everybody, no disrespect here, I think everybody was rooting for OKC because they were so young, young Russburg, young uh, James, young KD, y'all come out and win that one. But when you, when you were watching them, did you see, oh, snap, they got three future MVPs on their team.
1: I mean, they were excited. They were excited. Um, they had a lot of energy. Um, and they were young. You know, we were still not, not don't forget Serge Barker. Serge, um, yep. You know, they were they yeah they were loaded and they were excited and you know I think we know we understood that if we made it a pickup game and just try to run up and down to outscore them that we was gonna be in trouble. You know, the the, the advantage that we had, you know, um, you know, collectively was our defense. You know what mm. I'm saying? So it was the weirdest thing in the world. But after we lost game one in OKC. We actually walked in the locker room and said, oh, yeah, we got this. <laughs> like, it was weird oh, because wow. we lost the game. We lost game one at OKC, and we walked in the locker room and said, nah, we we, 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 we got this. We good. There was no mm. panicking. There was no frustration.
0: We all understood we should have won, and we we ended up winning our four in a row. Wow. Yeah. So in, in that game, did y'all just see the small things that y'all needed to tweak, you know, to win the rest? I mean
1: – I mean, as a basketball player, you understand when you let an opportunity slip through your hands. And we felt right. like we let the opportunity slip through our hands. You know, we, we um, for whatever reason, you know, uh, we just didn't have it that night. You know what I'm saying? But we knew we could
0: be better and we knew we would be better. So, y'all get that championship against OKC. And then, then y'all on cruise control for the next season. We mentioned it earlier, 27 straight wins. Uh, They're into my bulls. But 27 straight wins get to the finals and then now y'all going against the Spurs, who are just, you know, one of the most legendary franchises of all time. And the That's shot it. happened. Where? What was your thought? Because at one point y'all were down by like five or like 20 seconds to go. The fans are leaving because they don't want to see another team celebrate on their home court. And then Ray Allen hit the shot. What is your thoughts when that shot goes up and in?
1: I mean, I just went crazy. I just went ecstatic. <laughs> you know, I was on the bench at that time and the angle that I had, I was able to see you know, directly across from him Ray let it go. You know, the trajectory of it, you know, the angle, I had the, probably the best view of anybody, you know, so I knew it was going down. Um, that drill, you know, Ray backpedaling to get behind the three-point line and getting shots up at, 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 you know, an instance like that, you know, he practices that drill. I've seen him laying down, jump up off the ground, run behind the line and shoot a three. Like, that's not realistic in a game, but, you know, that's just his mindset of over-exaggerating those type of situations. So
0: he's done that a thousand times. This is so it's like it was like a movie, you know, it was like a movie um, because I me as a fan watching. I'm thinking it's over with, you know, I'm, I'm thinking the series is over <laughs> and, and it's a little bit of luck involved, but obviously a lot of skill because Tim Duncan is not on the court because Greg Popovich decides to let him sit. And then Chris Bosh just finds the ball. It's like I I feel like I can watch that play over and over and over and still get like chills and goosebumps because it was like, I mean, second, third biggest shot in like NBA history.
1: I mean, when you're dealing with two great teams and two great coaches, the degree of difficulty um, and, and, and just the, the opportunity for, you know, mistakes and, and different things like that is so small. You know, it's mm. so small, and it could be anything that could just be the deciding factor in the game.
0: So the year after that is the last year of the Heatles era. After y'all lose that championship, did you feel it like, okay, I, I think that Bron is probably going here. I think, well, I guess Boss stayed around, but then he had the, the complications with his health. But did you feel like the, that was the end of the era?
1: Man, you know what? I, did, I didn't know. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, was one of the, I was one of those things where, you know, I tried not to think about it because it was something that was out of my control. You know what right. I'm saying? I, so I really tried to focus on the things I was can, c- could control, which was my health and, you know, my situation as far as coming back with the Miami Heat. So I really didn't know. I would have I loved for Bron to come back. Of course you want to play with Bron, you know, for the rest of your career. But, you know, I really didn't focus much on it because I understood that, you know what I'm saying, it was his decision. There was nothing I could do about it. And if I had the opportunity to go back home, you know, to my city and take a championship, clearly you see what I've done in my city. So you know mm-hmm. what my decision probably would have been. I
0: feel you, I feel you. What's your relationship with bra like nowadays? Oh, that's my dog.
1: That's my dog. Yeah. We still talk, you know what I'm saying? We still text and, you know, keep up with each other's families, kids. You know, we grabbed dinner when I was out there in LA. That's my dog. He ain't no stopping me when you know that I called, yeah.
0: So we, we mentioned sports cards and we also mentioned sneakers. It's that time to get into some sneakers talk, man. Uh I'm guessing oh. you into sneakers, right? At least a little bit.
1: Well, I got I got a lean in contract, so you know, mm-hmm. I'm limited on you know, what 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 the sneaker game is Oh, don't do worry. We 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 game.
0: know. We know because I know you can see me right now. We got a pair of Lee Nings here. What made you pick Leaning? I
1: mean, my brother D Wade. Obviously, right. Um, you know, he had a vision. And he believed in it. And you know, at that, at that time, you know, I was with Converse, and you know, my mm-hmm. shoe deal was up. And you know, I, I believed in his vision and what he what he wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, it's an old trick daddy verse to say, right or wrong, take sides for your dog, ride with your dog. So <laughs> I just roll with my dog, man.
0: You know what I'm saying?
1: Right. To me, just put something on my feet that's comfortable and I'm going to get it done. So it wasn't really about right. the name for me. It was about just the support of my homeboy.
0: And they making some moves, man. Of course, you got Wade, got you. They got uh, D'Angelo Russell now. So uh, no, we see more and more well. leaning they've on the done courts. Well.
1: For sure. They've done well. Billion, billion dollar company in China, man. I didn't even know that. See, that's, that's brand Mr. new information. Mr. Lee. Lee. Mr. Lee Ning got it. Mr. Leaning Ning yeah. got it.
0: These, these are fire. One of my favorite Lee Nings um, is the Way of Waits Sevens, it's like a mustard one. And like you said, when it comes to, to hooping, as long as my feet feel comfortable, I'm good. And that's like one of the most comfortable shoe of all time to me. Like I, I've tried a lot no, of they, different sneakers and they up there. They
1: yeah. make very comfortable shoes, very comfortable shoes. I think anybody will tell you that even playing other shoes, that if you're playing a pair of leanings, it's, 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 it's like playing on pillows. They make very comfortable shoes. <laughs> um, they definitely take the time out. To, you know what I'm saying, not just put something on your feet that look good and tear up. They take the time out to put something on your feet that's going to protect you and, and, it, and it feels good. You know what I'm saying? And that's just not coming from me. That's coming from our training staff uh, mm. who very particular about what guys put on their feet.
0: See, if you were here right now, we'd have you sign these so we could potentially sell them, give them away on eBay. Um, next time, whenever you back in L.A., man, next time, we'll get, we'll get you through the studio. i will okay. be out there this summer. i be right. out
1: there this summer. family out there.
0: I Bet it up bet it up. So the last thing we want from you before you head out because I know you're a very busy man is Since this the name of the show is called game So my last question to you if the game is on the line, who do you pass the ball to to shoot the final shot to call game? D Wade. is wait your brother, huh? Yeah
1: mm. Not just cuz he's my brother now cuz I I look my brother off his ass can't shoot <laughs> <laughs> I look my brother, I look my brother off if he can't shoot, but you know what I'm saying? You ain't the body of work speaks for itself. Mm. My brother, you know what I'm saying? The body of work speaks for itself. He clutched. Even when he really came yeah. back and he was old. Even when he came back and he was old, the shot he made against Golden State when he the bobbled it and threw it win. off yes, his chest sir. and it went in. Like, come right. on man. You know what I'm saying? My, he clutch. You know what I'm saying? I give I give credit where credit due.
0: That's that's a good pick. That's a good pick. He was but old in. Yeah. He ain't supposed to be doing was, stuff like man. that. That's one of the craziest <laughs> shots. Is that the one? He hit it. Of course, he bobbled it. I think it was Steph Curry guarding him. He bobbled it. Boom. Yeah, it somebody,
1: up. he was better shooting. I think somebody either blocked it or, or it came down his chest and he just threw it back up and went in. We won the game, man. The man, that was crazy. He clutched.
0: And I think he he, then the he he jump on the scores table. Uh, yeah, yeah he jumped
1: on the score table like he do that all the time. Like he meant to make that shot. Man had his eyes <laughs> closed. <laughs>
0: So we just had Yadonis has him on the show. First of all, UD, thank you for coming through. We asked him the A. Joe question with the game on the line, who do you give the ball to? And he showed love to one of my favorite players of all time, Chicago legend, Miami Heat legend, and he only played for the Heat, ladies and gentlemen. Those other years don't exist. Dwayne Wade, getting a lot of love from his brother, UD. And this is who Yadonis picks to call game. (laughs) Hey, UD, man, we appreciate you coming onto the show, bro. If there's anything you want to say to the people at home, I'll be out there in L.A. Maybe we can link up and I can sign them. Say less, say less. For everybody at home, we appreciate Appreciate you you watching this episode of Call Game, and we'll be back next week. Peace.